brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it's our Tuesday show. I love our Tuesday shows. David K. Johnston, the Pulitzer Prize winner, comes along. That's kind of cool. That'll be an hour two. First hour has Jefferson Graham, the tech guru and the photo guru stopping through. So those are your guests normally. And add to that mix this cool book. It's about Costco, the joy of Costco. And I love uh, Costco. Yeah, who doesn't? Yeah. It's great. You know, it's where you can get a, a dump truck full of cashews, you know, and they're all wrapped in some, you know, cute plastic container that will sit on your shelf for four years. Uh, but anyway, there's a lot to Costco, and the joy of Costco has a lot of facts about Costco and fun things you can do and find at Costco, and the history of Costco is kind of cool, too. So they'll be along in the second hour. There's a lot going on. Great to have you here. And we have an important announcement. We do have an important announcement coming up. Um, in fact, uh, I I will tell you it pertains to, and pertains is a ding word. Uh, it pertains to our anniversary. So it's with... Um, a major announcement yeah. from the Mark Johnson Show. Yeah. So, it is our anniversary, our one-year anniversary coming up next month, and really, the only way we would be on the air for this long is with our audience. We are completely, I mean almost virtually completely, not quite 100%, but almost 100% funded by you, the viewer and listener, those of you who our regular subscribers or Patreon or you regular donors. You know, we run everybody's name at the end of the show. And on PayPal, many of you are donors on PayPal. You guys sustain us. Not to mention Super Sticker Super Chats. I mention that because we, of course, we acknowledge you all the time and we mention this all the time. And we always are, you know, looking for more and more people to 
uh, keep the donations coming so that we can keep the show on the air. <laughs> but in this context, I mention it because we wanted to do something, and I wanted to do something in our conversations we talked about, an idea that would incorporate the audience. Those people that I just described, those people who are very much a part of keeping the show on and sharing viewpoints and all the rest, that audience is vital to this project. So what to do? Well, we, yesterday we talked on the air. Kim uh, and I were speaking about this. We talked about a, a, a meetup, you know, like a special. Kim, how are you? A meetup for the anniversary. And I said, yeah, we probably will do a meetup, a special meetup. But the problem with the meetup is it's just for the people who can afford a meetup and we have to limit it to 20. We want something where we really throw it open to the audience. We couldn't, and a couple of you wrote in to me, uh, the Mark Thompson Show at gmail.com if you're looking to write uh, an email. And you suggested, let's do a live meetup. I've received a lot of positive letters. And I, I thought, well, the problem with a live meetup is it may be even harder than the virtual meetup from the standpoint of logistics. It's not just throwing the event. It's somehow finding everybody able to make it to whatever the epicenter of fun is. If it's to Nuda Vineyard or if you have it in the city or you have, you know, or we do it in, you know, Kim's backyard in Petaluma or we do it Mm -hmm. in, uh, you know, San Jose. You get the problem. So that just doesn't frankly work. We need something where we could bring everybody in virtually. And then the most unlikely thing happened yesterday. Albert had a good suggestion. Albert, thank you. (laughs) Yes. Um, and I can't really remember, and we'll ask him tomorrow. Today, uh, my darling Tony is with us. Hey, Tony. Thanks, Tony. And um, tomorrow, my darling Albert is here. And I'll ask him to remember, but I think he said something, and that made me think of the great idea. Can I take that? Yes, thank you. Thank you. So I Wait a minute. See... You just credited Albert, and now you're crediting yep. yourself. Yep. It's true. I felt Albert yeah, had a know. hand in it. He was the prime mover, you okay. know. But ultimately, it triggered something in me. And ultimately, I knew I had to count on myself. Do you know who I am? Yeah. I'm kind of a big deal. And I knew that I could count on myself because I'm gifted creatively. In any case... It's not important who thought of it, but I do believe Albert did get the ball rolling. And so uh, this thing has been dragging on and on and on. Kim, how dare you? So let me tell you what this I This thing has been dragging uh, on and right, on and on. Enough. Let me tell you what I think we're going to do. And the details will come together logistically. And Tony, this is very much going to involve you. <laughs> Whether wait, you wait. like it or so not. Albert comes up with an idea that you take credit for, and it all falls on me. Oh, that's uh, very well put, actually. Thanks, Tony. Yes. All right. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to offer up the opportunity to make videos, 30 seconds or less, that you will send in to us to congratulate us on our one-year anniversary and to say whatever you want, you know? Yeah. You know, this is uh, this is Barry and Milpitas. I've been watching you since the beginning. And I just want to say my wife, you know, and, and my kids, blah, blah, blah. And I've shared the show, whatever you want to say. Or you can be funny, silly, however you want to do it, or just sincere. 
So this is born of there are a lot of higher profile Bay Area people and also luminaries from across the country who wanted to, hey, I'd like to come on for your one year anniversary. And I thought, well, let's maybe we just get videos from some of these people. And then uh, we came to why don't we get videos from everybody? So that way, for the whole week of our anniversary week, we can be popping videos on the air from people who are just viewers, you know, just uh, various listeners and supporters. So that's the idea. And I think what we'll do is hatch some of the details over the next couple of days, give you an email address where you can send stuff. Tony, you'll help me figure out, you know, these file sizes and stuff and how that can best work yeah, out. There's there's easy ways to do that actually. Yeah, so I think right now. Um, okay. So that is it, but I think it's going to be fun and you know, interspersed with some of these celebrity shout-outs, we'll get shout-outs from you the audience. And that way we can really enjoy the audience as best we are able uh, as we approach our 1 year anniversary, which is coming up next month. I believe it's middle of next month. So uh, looking forward to that. That is your major announcement. Right? This has been a major announcement yes. of the Mark Thompson Show. Right. Major yeah. Very, very cool. All right. So um, before I continue, that's, uh, that's show news. Uh, anything else I need to know, Kim? Uh, we have, yeah, you already mentioned we have the Costco people coming on today. David K. Mm-hmm. Johnston will be here. Right. Jefferson yeah, Graham will be here. There's good, right. It's good times ahead. Okay. Anything happen on the Nikki Maduro show that I need to know about? Mm, we had some fun. Uh, we talked about a lot of things, uh, oh. hair, hairstyles among them. Oh. Um, yeah, it was a good show. Oh, good. Well, I'm fun glad morning. to hear. And yeah. how are things on the uh, After Party Live doing, which is the show after... We'll a- do it live! I can- I'll write it and we'll do it live! How is that show coming? After Party Live is good. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, we start that show off with animal news. So wow. that's it's always kind of fun and lighthearted. Um, wow. Yeah, that's pretty it's good. Cool. I'm enjoying this thing it. has been dragging on and on and on. Oh, well, I, don't, I thought Kim was quite lovely with her uh, summary of what's going on, but all right. You asked. I don't know. Yeah, I know. I didn't think it was dragging on. The Mark Thompson Show. The F-35 Lightning. Meant to be the crown jewel of America's airborne fleet. Can you rally a picture of it, uh... For the boys and girls, Tony, have you seen this plane? <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry to laugh, but it is, as you may be aware, it is the poster child for Pentagon waste, and it is now the poster child for something that was always known of it, which is for malfunction and poor workmanship. Although we don't really know what happened here, to be fair, but... It has a troubled history, the F-35 Lightning II. How much does it cost? Like gazillions of dollars? Mm, It does cost gazillions of dollars. I ask you, how much is the F-35 Lightning II, each one, off the assembly line, tax and license in your driveway? What would it cost you (laughs) to get an F-35 Lightning II? From Lockheed Martin, 
100 million, says Huge in Japan. 80 million a plane, says Randy is right. That's right. It's $80 million. Wow. Now, to be fair, with cost overruns, which is something that has plagued this program, it is likely to run up to $100 million. So there you go. <laughs> the F-35 stealth fighter jet. Now, buy it now. That's, there it is on eBay. The, um, the F-35, since it was first pitched in the early 1990s, has had a host of catastrophes, setbacks, cost overruns. This program with the F-35 has been the object of mass ridicule outside of the Pentagon. The program should be scrapped. They've had nothing but issues in all of the ways that I've just suggested. It has been a profound disappointment. They can't hit costs. It hasn't been proven to be an effective aircraft. It's one of the most expensive weapon systems ever developed. But there is no chance of it being scrapped because it is part of the military-industrial complex and the bottomless pit that is Pentagon spending. This plane that was lost yesterday was part of a training squadron with the 2nd Marine Aircraft Wing based out of the Marine Corps Air Station Beaufort. At some point during the flight, the pilot ejected with the fight's, uh, sorry, with the fighter's jet autopilot still running. I want to try to get this exactly right. So the autopilot is on. The pilot ejects. Joint Base Charleston posted a call for help from the public. And where did they post it? The call for help. They posted it on Facebook. You lose an $80 million stealth fighter plane with the most sophisticated technology available on board. You've lost it. And you need my help from my knitting group on Facebook? They literally didn't know where this thing was. Sorry, there's no GPS on this plane. There's no black boxish kind of thing. There's no homing device. It's crazy. It was disabled. You'd think for 80 mil it would work a little better, but I don't Thank know. Thank you, Kim. Thank you. Exactly. It was like a dog that had wandered off. Thank goodness Why the did pilot it take... ejected. I mean, he's safe. The, I don't know if it's a he. The pilot is, you know, in stable condition in the hospital. But what, I wonder what happened where they had to eject. What kind of malfunction occurred? We're all wondering that, and yeah. I doubt we'll ever really know. Yeah. The, uh, I mean, you know, they put that call out on Facebook for anyone who had seen the plane go down or any debris <laughs> from the plane. And they even posted a phone number that you could call. Uh, and, you know, this is a plane that is designed not to show up easily on radar. And, uh, you know, so there's no way to track it once you're, you know, although the transponder, as Kim says, wasn't working. Yeah. God, 80 million bucks and you don't have a backup transponder. You know, I mean, it's just. A, you know, they do this to me all the time. I don't right. know what the they hell they do. They do this to me for. all the time. There's no backup transponder in my F-35 fighter jet. I mean, of all things, I think that's what worked. The stealth, right? Yes, <laughs> right. right. Yeah, good, bravo on the stealth, fight. by the way. Yes. Yeah. Good job, guys. You did good it. Good job. Yeah. Where'd it go? Uh. Um, they call it a mishap. 
And the military has that term. It's uh, literally, I was reading about it this morning. They, they're like, they're levels of mishap, like mishap A, mishap B, you know. But I think the crash of an $80 million stealth fighter jet, I'd find new terminology for that. I think that's pretty catastrophic. Maybe that's too radioactive a word, but find one between mishap and catastrophic. There is a long list of possibilities as to what could have happened. Uh, In general, the plane has not been the most reliable. They think that, and this is a plane that's been grounded multiple times for reasons ranging from can't deliver oxygen to pilots. That's a quote. No, I'm bad. Um, and other issues, including having machine guns that can't shoot straight and the Pentagon needing to cap how long the planes can handle flying at top speed. They just couldn't handle it. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But MIDI Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Lockheed Martin's sales pitch for the plane is straight out of the 1990s, a fighter jet that comes in multiple extreme flavors, each designed for a different style of combat and equipped with the most advanced stealth technology. Okay, wait. It can't shoot straight. It can't deliver oxygen to pilots so they're going to pass out in the cockpit. And it can only fly for a certain amount of minutes before it starts getting a little wonky. As a taxpayer, I want my $80 million back. I I demand a refund. Thank you. You're absolutely right. Now, here's the thing. The idea and the virtue behind it was that for the Air Force, Marines, and Navy, there are distinctly different mission usages, right? But if you can build one plane to achieve success with those distinct mission usages and all those three, then you've come up with a super plane. 
And so that was really the pitch. Mm-hmm. And as it turns out, you can't do it. Only about 20% of the model's parts overlap. And there's been then a lack of major uh, 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 spare parts. So you've got a bunch of these planes that are grounded all the time because there are no spare parts for them. They're not interchangeable with other aircraft. Earlier this year, the Congressional Budget Office reported that only between 54 to 58 percent of F-35's variants in the military's possession were available in 2022. In other words, of the fleet. Those are the that's the percentage that was available. Tony's putting up the configuration. Even the most pro-defense industry members of Congress have realized that maybe this plane isn't actually a very good investment. (laughs) Representative Adam Smith, the senior Democrat on the House Armed Services Committee, likened the spending on the F-35 to throwing money down a rat hole. But that hasn't damned the river of cash pouring into the F-35. Earlier this year, the Defense Department signed a $30 billion contract with Lockheed, purchasing another 398 planes for the U.S. and its NATO allies. This is a perfect real-world example of the sunk cost being so huge that there's no way you can pull away from it. You have so much invested in it. And I think it's a parallel for military spending, which is, of course, out of control, and we, res- we visit that regularly on this show. The uh, F-35 is just part of this huge defense appropriations bill, $826 billion for the next fiscal year. And it's utterly absurd. And, you know, it's, I would say, ironic that the pilot could eject from the F-35, but that we, the American taxpayer, we can't eject from the F-35 program. No. It is utterly absurd. That's not This good thing is, is awful. And as I've said before, so much of military spending is on expensive weapon systems that don't work and likely the money never leaves the beltway. It stays in Washington. So, Are you saying to go into, into hot little hands, or where does it go? It goes from military uh, industrial complex site one to a military industrial complex site two, meaning it goes into development at Boeing, development at Lockheed mm-hmm. Martin. The, the, the money's wasted on these systems, are extraordinary. And they've even, you know, there's a, and, and I might get into this a little bit with David K. Johnston. He wrote a great piece on this like 10 years ago. Um, there is other stuff you can do. You can get out of this F-35 program and you can go for planes that are more designed for specific missions. Instead of trying to build one plane that doesn't do anything really well, but it's supposed to do everything, Build three separate planes. If you want to waste your money, waste it that way. At least at the end of that waste, a bunch of people get paid off. That's what I'm talking about when I say the money doesn't leave the beltway. There are a bunch of, you know, the administrative uh, sickness that's associated with military spending is grotesque. We have no idea of it because we can't audit it. Imagine 
a Pentagon budget so big you can't audit it. They tried to audit it, and they just couldn't. Google it. It's Google it. So <laughs> all I'm trying to say is you need to drop back and create another plan. And there they are. Is that the... So the, the thing about the... Uh, and, the and then I want to move on. The thing about this F-35 fighter is that you know, it could take off vertically. It could do a lot of stuff that was really cool. And it's stealth, so it can avoid radar. But we are loath to realize, apparently, that it just can't do the thing that it's supposed to do, which is stay airborne, as Kim says, for a sufficient period of time to execute a mission and to do anything during that mission very well. So... It, it, it's an embarrassment to the Pentagon, but you'll notice there's not a lot on it today. You're going to see, you're, you're, this is, the Pentagon is the third rail. No one wants to touch it because you don't want to seem as though you're weak on defense. So from a political standpoint, they really are in a very good place, these defense contractors. They know it, and they exploit it. So, it, it, it and the last thing I'll say is that, you know, all 50 states participate in defense spending. It's the clever little thing that defense contractors do. They give everybody a piece of the game. So with everybody wetting their beak in all 50 states, no one wants to push away from this insane defense spending. Again, may bring it up again with uh, Debbie K. Johnston, but this F-35, this should be a moment. This should be a moment where we have a conversation and instead, you know, it's going to be you know, now that we found it, we found the debris, we don't need you anymore, and I don't want to talk about it anymore. Everything is going extremely well. Exactly. Uh, Stan Pollock. Let me get to some um, some comments. Uh, the Mark Thompson Show. Stan Pollock, CPA. He is my favorite CPA, everybody. $10. You're saying, Mark, to be your favorite, all you have to do is regularly come through with $10 and a super sticker? That's exactly what I'm saying. Yes. I'm crowdfunded, and I'm not above groveling. You know what I hate? I wait for your show at 11, and at 10.59, a client calls. <laughs> no. And wants to talk. I need to turn off my phone. Yeah. I know what you mean. Tom Gunn, my favorite gun, is the Tom Gun. Big shout-out is what I wanted. Thank you. Big shout-out. Thank you. Tom Gunn, thank you for a 20. Wes, thank you for the fiver. Big shout out. Regular listener. See, wouldn't you like to get a video congratulating us on one year from Wes? That'd be fun. Yes. Uh, and William Guy, but now a lot of regulars. What up, William Guy? Big shout out. Big shout out. And Pinky Dollar a Day Pinky. Big shout out. Yes, I like it. Thank you, thank you so, so much. So much. Uh, we are uh, so grateful that you guys support us the way you do. Thank you very much, all of the regulars. And uh, to bring in new boys and girls. We encourage sharing the show. Yeah. You can share this show through the share button. See a little arrow. You click it. Then you send it over to Facebook. Maybe it's a video. Maybe it was the uh, Tom Dreesen thing a lot of people are favor. Maybe it's Friday Fabulous Florida. Maybe it's Jefferson Graham. Uh, but you can click that share button. And by clicking it over to Facebook with the share link, it brings over people who may not be aware of the fact that we are on the air. Kim's News. I've got a law and disorder after that. 
I can't find my other glasses, Kim. This is a real Uh-oh. crisis. I keep these are these are What's my credibility backup credibility glasses. And, oh, yeah. What did you I, do to the regular ones? I don't know. I literally can't find any glasses. I'm I have, finding you much less credible. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm down to my last bit of credibility. <laughs> the uh, government shutdown may happen. It's crazy what's happening in the GOP. It's a meltdown of sorts. I'll go through that. The um, the developments with um, with Rudy Giuliani. I've got some of that in the next half hour. And as I mentioned, it's Tech Tuesday. Jefferson Graham. Jefferson Graham, of all people, made this insanely huge but simple mistake that we all could make. And we'll get into that in the next half hour as well. So... Smash the like button like a boss. I mean, give me smash a thumbs up. with your iron No matter rod. what you're watching, if it's from this channel, smash, smash it. it with your iron smash rod. Smash it with your iron rod. Make it count is all we're saying. Mark Thompson Show. The Mark Thompson Show. On the Mark Thompson Show, I'm Kim McAllister. The UAW says the White House is not involved in negotiations with Detroit's big three automakers. The union president, Sean Fain, calls the UAW's battle. Uh, it, it says it is the UAW's battle, says the union negotiating teams are working very hard to reach a fair contract. Union members went on strike against three plants, one from each automaker. That started on Friday morning. President Biden says the United States wants to responsibly manage its competition with China. Speaking to the U.N. General Assembly today, the president said the country is for de-risking, not decoupling from China. President Biden saying the United States will push back on aggression and intimidation, but will stand ready to work with China on issues where progress hinges on common efforts. So that is the latest from President Biden wow. today. He de- mm-hmm. invented the de-risking term. De-risking, not yeah. decoupling. Like it. Yeah. Five Americans freed in a prisoner swap with Iran are safely back on U.S. soil. They were greeted by cheers, tears, and hugs from family members after landing in Virginia this morning. The Biden administration agreed to a controversial exchange for Iranian nationals that were being held here in the United States and the release of $6 billion of frozen Iranian oil revenue. Amazon ramping up its holiday hiring this year. The e-commerce giant plans to add 250,000 seasonal workers to its temporary workforce, giving hourly warehouse and delivery workers a pay bump as well. The holiday hiring follows uh, this week's announcement of a second Prime Day in mid-October. Just what we needed. Another excuse to buy more crap. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be part of our one-year anniversary celebration, the second Prime Day. Very excited about that. Yeah. There is a new study showing working from home is really good for the environment. Researchers say it could cut your carbon footprint in half by reducing power consumption and avoiding the daily commute, among other key factors. The findings appear in the journal Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences of the United States. 
Elon Musk reportedly hinting at a subscription fee for all users of the X platform. According to Bloomberg, during a meeting in Fremont, Musk told Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu that X will be moving to what he called a small monthly payment. He claimed a subscription fee (laughs) would be the only way to put a stop to bot accounts on the platform. Yeah, we have to pay because you don't want bot accounts. Really? Well, if I have to pay to use it, does that mean I get my privacy back and you can't sell my information? How about that? Oh, how about that? Yeah. I love Elon. it when Kim gets a little attitude going. Mm-hmm. The bouncer comes out. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The, I, I uh, also would think that uh, Benjamin Netanyahu isn't crazy about the fact that he announces the Musk does that there's going to be a charge for Twitter during the meeting with Netanyahu. So like, <laughs> hey, don't get that stink on me, dude. I got enough stink going on. But um, it's so when would that happen? Has he as he said, it might move to a pay that's, model. That's all or? we got is okay. that uh, it will be moving to what he called a small monthly payment. We'll ask what, Jefferson Graham about this, but I think that's going to be the end of Twitter. I mean, what one of the he things considers small and what I consider small might be different. And right. do you do you would you pay to use Twitter every month? No, absolutely not. I, I, I and I think you're going to find that a lot of people won't pay. And as a result, I think the platform is going to, you know. Hard to start paying something you, for something that you've been getting for free for so long. Thank like you. I mean. Google and everything else, you know. We've done it a bit, I think, in, on other platforms. But um, no, I think it's I would out. say that's awesome, but that's not awesome. Yeah, exactly. John's well, right. you know, and, and we're getting this service allegedly for free. But it really isn't because we have been the commodity. Our information has been the commodity. Well, you sure. already took took that from me. Yeah. So, I mean, unless you're going to give me my privacy back, then I want to keep using it for free. So, yeah, I, I know that's exactly right. Kim's so right. You know, that, that, you know, if you're, what I do like I get? When you say just, that, Kim's so right. Just, yeah. just access to your platform. No, <laughs> that's not going to do it. I mean, if you want to then not be able to track me across other apps, not be able to track my location, you know, right. not have profile information on me, et cetera. But we'll talk to Jeff about it. But I think it's a, it, it may be a, a real desperate plan, but it's a bad plan. When you pay for a service, I think you should have some expectation of privacy protocols to be put in place. So we'll see. Google and the Department of Defense are collaborating on an artificial intelligence-powered microscope that can spot cancer. It's called the Augmented Reality Microscope, and Google and the DOD have been working on it for several years. The ARM, Augmented Reality Microscope, the ARM, is expected to cost between $90,000 and $100,000. Wow. Expensive, but, you know, if a hospital has that and they can spot cancer and it works out. I mean, it may not even be expensive compared to some of the other machinery and diagnostic tools they have in hospitals. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Oh, 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 you need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. 
Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Bring on the arm. A Central Coast mom is in trouble for allegedly showing up to a peewee football game drunk and armed. Alejandra Roca accused of taking a gun to her son's game last weekend at Alvarez High School on the Central Coast. Police were called immediately. Roca was removed from the school grounds. The incident has triggered meetings about whether or not to add security at youth football games in the area. I mean, those youth football games are already dangerous. It's now true. you're going to bring drunk gunslingers in yeah no that's not what we want Mm. um i will tell you there's been a death i i haven't heard of this person but perhaps you have because you're you're more up on music than me folk singer roger whitaker has passed away at the age of 87 he's Mm. a british singer songwriter uh his website has confirmed his passing today whitaker was famous for his expert whistling and his hits include durham town the leaven and the last farewell. Oh. How old was he? Uh, 87. No. Oh. Roger Whitaker. An Aptos resident is enjoying her 15 minutes of fame after appearing on a popular game show. Kristen Tosella, one of the contestants on Wheel of Fortune this week. Her episode aired Monday night. Family members gathered to watch Kristen spin the big wheel for cash and prizes. No word on how much she walked away with. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. I'm Kim McAllister. This is The Mark Thompson Show, which is crowdfunded, which means we do rely on you. Please go to the website, themarkthompsonshow.com. It's themarkthompsonshow.com. That's where the Patreon and the PayPal links are located. And we thank you very much. Again, I'm Kim. This is The Mark Thompson Show. They had to close down an entire radio station to silence him. And now... He's here. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Thompson. The Mark Thompson Show. Who's Mark Thompson? 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 All right, I get it already. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Lady didn't know who I was. We need to drive it into the ground already. My God. I do want to quickly, before I get to Jefferson Graham, read some comments. The Mark Thompson Show. Um, the, uh, I saw... You pay for Netflix. You pay for Netflix, Kim. I do. Says Randy, how much privacy you got with Netflix? Yeah. I think more than I get with Twitter. I would suspect that you do, although I think they do know your location. They certainly know your location. And they know what I'm watching. I'll tell you what, I feel like they know me better than Courtney knows me. Netflix does. Yeah. They always really, have great I, suggestions. I, they're if I could always marry accurate. Netflix, I would do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. Um, Norm says this about the pilot. In the plane, the F-35, do you even need pilots in planes? The F-16, which is at least 30 years old, can fire on six targets over 100 miles away. That distance may be wrong, but it, mm. uh, it makes the point. It is true. We are, in a sense, 
moving toward, I, I mean, again, we can get a military expert on here to talk about this more, but you know, Kim, it is true that we are moving toward a kind of drone technology being the technology of the air, you know? Why put a pilot in there? Uh, again, I'd like to talk to a military expert more, but I mean, I think this is a provocative notion that Norm has introduced, so uh, so bravo. Hey, City Shapers is on here? Come on. Is that Dwayne from City Shapers? Come on, nice. baby. Big shout out. Big shout out. When I need my city shaped, <laughs> I go to City Shapers, Inc. in San Francisco. Thank you, Dwayne Kennedy, for a 10 spot. Appreciate that. Big shout out. Mm-hmm. Liz L. thinks that Elon Musk is deliberately killing Twitter. Yeah, it seems like it. And Otherwise, th- why would you gut it? Like, you you walk in, you gut the place down to, you know, the last few workers. You make people sleep on the floor. You mm. take away the coffee machine. You take away the bird. You change the name. And now you're charging people. It, I think so. I think I don't well, know why certainly... he would buy it in order to kill it. I don't he's, know. Uh, yeah, he's changed the plat. He's changing the platform. Certainly, I don't know if he wants to kill it. I mean, he's overpaid for it to begin with, and sort of what an ego buy. He bought it at gunpoint. He had committed to the buy, and then he had to make mm-hmm. the buy. I mean, it was really literally he would have been sued into it. So, anyway, I um, Mark Thompson show chat is free. Says like, yeah, Woo! that's exactly right. Don't forget it. You need something free. Uh, you've got it here. All right. Um, thank you for your comments. We read them and even the comments that come in after we go off the air. Many people take in the show and delay. Uh, please leave comments. We check them all out. So. The Mark Thompson Show. How about it for a guy who is really, uh, he was one of the reasons I think that uh, we were able to navigate certain tough spots at the beginning in our YouTube effort. His uh, prowess when it comes to both technology and to YouTube is something that was really helpful to us as we approach our one-year anniversary. It's really cool to have him join us regularly on Tuesdays. It is Tech Tuesday with the great Jefferson Grant. How you doing, my friend? Thank you. He, he of PhotoWalks TV. You, um, now I love your stuff, you know, all your pictures from the West and your tour of the West. It's the tour I want to make. But I love that you I say I love I you know when somebody like yourself big brain tech savvy guy you wrote for USA Today USA Today on technology for you know years and years and years uh when you make a tech mistake it reminds us that anybody can step in it can you share with those who may not have seen your Substack what you did and the effects of changing this one password well let's just state that it's not like I slipped up and and got hacked. I did something that was unnecessary, that caused a lot of pain, that while you were living the good life and Mm -hmm. enjoying yourself, I was changing (laughs) passwords in hell. Uh, So basically, guy comes Mm -hmm. to my house, starts complaining that he was hacked, tells me a fantastical story that uh, was beyond belief. And when he left, I was like, hey, maybe I should strengthen my Wi-Fi network. Since he was convinced that um, somebody had put mysterious keystrokes onto his laptop that could, even if the laptop was turned off, even if it wasn't plugged in to the internet, the top of it could rise automatically from somewhere else and take pictures in the house. Pretty weird, huh? 
Um, well, did you vet the story or did you check out the story? Or I this told him that he was, I told him that he was dreaming that it was impossible. But right. when he left, I said, well, maybe I should strengthen my Wi-Fi network just by up, updating my password because that's something you're always supposed to do. Sure. Uh, that seems simple you, enough anyway. It's almost like, yeah. what the heck? I mean, I can change it. Yeah. Right. What I didn't know, what I didn't know was that every device in my house would be unusable. After I changed the password, we're talking about four Amazon Echo speakers. We're talking about four Sonos speakers. We're talking about two Fire TVs. We're talking about my wife coming in and saying, I can't get anything to print. Oh, I, I guess I know why. Because we have to change the password on the printer. I don't have a ring doorbell. I don't have a garage door opener. I don't have some of those other things that people have. Uh, my door wouldn't have opened. I mean, my front door wouldn't have opened if I still had a digital lock in there. So the moral of the story, kids, is that if you have a mesh wireless network, one of those add-ons that people buy to extend the signal in their house, there is security built in to Google Wi-Fi and to Amazon Eero, and to some of the other units that are out there. And it made the whole thing unnecessary. So if you're hearing me now, don't update your Wi-Fi <laughs> password, okay? Was Unless there, you're ready. I, yeah. Was there a way to begin to undo? At any point did you go, oh, my God, this is awful. Let me see if I can find my way back out of this cave. There's no way out of the cave because once you've changed your password, you've changed your password. And what you can't do is you can't just go in and retype in a new password. The The Amazon speakers had to be reprogrammed to factory default. And the Sonos speakers, they told me that the only way I could do it was going to get an Ethernet cable, plugging it into the speaker, plugging it into the router. And it's like, I don't have this this thing here right now. And on the Amazon speaker, I, I, I have an old one. Uh, the round one, this little like coffee can, and then I have the, the newer ones. And they said you have to put a paper clip up up the speaker to oh, uh, sure. to reprogram yeah, it. To I couldn't it. find yeah. it. I couldn't find a paper clip in that. Oh, I love this. I just, yeah. I, I love it because it's like you finally are dragged into the morass of awfulness when it comes to tech that the rest of us uh, are. are uh, you know, they do this to me all the yeah. time. I don't know what the hell they do it for. They do. They do make it sometimes hard. But the interesting thing that I found in your Substack was that this last thing, which is that the reprogramming of one password, which is just your web password, led to this contagion. You know, all of these different devices had to be, which is just bizarre, because you'd think that once you've changed the Wi-Fi password, connected to Wi-Fi, boom, it, it, but they all have to connect to Wi-Fi. It's a, it was, so the answer is, if you've got Google Mesh or one of these other things, it's already taken care of. That This right. threat that this guy was telling you about is illusory. It's not real. Right, right. I yeah. knew he was dreaming, but I also said, but maybe I should strengthen my network. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows what's going on? Maybe he's going to rub off on me. Um, I think most of it was dreaming, and I think it was user error, and I think he clicked on a link in an email, and it led to everything. But I, I see. But I, I yeah. still would contend it is impossible to hack a computer that is turned off and not connected to the Internet. Right. That was his notion, that you can still get on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you're to that like I am to conspiracy theories. I always go, oh, forget it. It's ridiculous. Blah, 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 blah. Then the person leaves. 
And I go, all right, let me go check it out. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I dismiss it out of hand, but then I want to do more research on it to see if it might. Just, so in this case, you end up changing it. So is everything working at the Graham uh, Everything. Estate? Okay. Everything but the printer. I haven't mm-hmm. figured out the printer yet. I f- didn't mention my Google Nest hubs. They also had to be uh, restored to factory defaults. And the Sonos speaker, I, I haven't come up with the uh, Ethernet cable yet to get on the floor with the router and play with it. I just don't care. I'll screw them. I'll just listen to music this way. We'll show uh-huh. them. You ought right. to call a tech expert to get over there. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. So um, the new Apple you know, the iteration of the Apple phone, the iPhone, it's already sold out until when? Sold out through Halloween. God. And it goes on sale on Friday. Okay, so the pre-orders started last Friday. Really interesting. So if you went on at 5 a.m., you could get it for this Friday. And I went on at 8 just to see what it would be like and uh, sold out <laughs> through Halloween. Three hours. Wow. So I don't know what happens if you show up at the store and you stand in line. Will you be able to actually get one? Maybe you will. But the pre-orders, you cannot get one, uh, or the mail order, you cannot get one t- till Halloween, which is, you know, it usually happens with Apple this way. It's just this is a little further down the line than I'm, than I'm accustomed to. I, I would have figured two weeks, three weeks, but uh, it'll be uh, interesting to see what happens. I, I, I used to spend a lot of time standing on those lines with people just to uh, – Gauge the reaction and see what was going on. Yeah, you. I mean, you reported for years on just this thing, the 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 rush to get the latest technology, and then of course you also reported for years on, and continue to share what the latest technology offers. As I recall, on this one, you felt that there there's some improvements, but you didn't feel as though there's some sort of quantum leap to a better phone with, with this latest. It, it just it depends. Um, first of all, I'll have my phone on Friday. I'll give you a full report. But the uh, if you're a photographer, you'll want to get the upgraded phone. If you have a USB and it's been driving you crazy, I mean, if you want to do USB-C, uh, which is the new cable that goes into the iPhone, it's a bigger deal than we think because it's faster charging, it's faster transfers, and I can plug a hard drive into the phone. So that for me is that's enough. That's all I need. For most people that bought a 13 or 14 and said, I don't feel like spending $1,000 again, well, they don't have to. They don't have to. If you like to have the latest and greatest, it's there. And you could play the game and, and want to be the first on the block. I don't think it's a must-have, <laughs> but, you know, it just depends on your situation. Um, the uh, my, A lot of people reacting to your, uh, your plight with the, uh, with the password and uh, with the solutions. And also complaining that the printer never works, their printer never works. I hate dealing with printers, says Eric. Um, it keeps you sharp. Jefferson says square. Um, I have a great some, printer. No. I have a great printer. It's from brother. I spent a <clears> hundred dollars on it. It's a laser printer. It was a change of life when I switched from a color printer to a black and white printer and no longer had to worry that I couldn't print something because I'd run out of magenta. Right. By the way, that's the problem is that the printers shut down if you're missing some obscure color as, uh, along the lines of what you just said isn't it i mean that's the, it's like hey guys then do it without magenta okay i, I mean i, yeah. I, I right but they no 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 <laughs> right. no no, no, no. Or, it's like the f-35 well, no yeah. i don't fly unless everything's I'll, working i'll print this in yellow i don't care right sure sure yeah. exactly um, but i switched to black and white it's been great yeah except uh, for the fact that there's i don't know any way for me to type a password into that stupid printer 
So I'm going to have what, to figure What that is out. your printer, Liz wants to know? Which one? I is have it? a brother, and I don't know the model number of it. Yeah, I, okay. If you want, I could look it up. I took a picture of it just um, yesterday. Well, that's uh, either way. But that's okay. Uh, we won't do that. Yeah. We like to, it's the a, audience likes to play around printer. with your plight. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, Jeff, it is. Um, uh, do you want to know what I think about Twitter? You, oh, I you did. Pro- Thank you. I'm sorry. I teased yes. that. I even, I even teased that. So what do you think? Okay. So, again, uh, just if you're joining us, yes. please set the stage. Trump, uh, rather, um, uh, Elon Musk is moving Musk, to a, Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Elon ahead. Musk said that he might charge a small fee to use the service to get away all the bad uh, bots. That Now, what's a small fee? Is a small fee a dollar? Is it 50 cents? Is it $5? Is it $10? Uh, I don't believe it's going to be a dollar. I, I would think it would be a minimum of three ninety nine, four ninety nine. I wouldn't pay for the current Twitter. Now, if you said uh, $5 and you're not going to just see the same three people that you see on Twitter now because that's what it's become. I only see, see the same three people every day. And your stuff's going to go to the top and it's going to be a way better experience. Well, then, yes, I would pay. But I think you know the answer. I don't think that's going to happen. So I think most people will just say goodbye. What is the substitute for Twitter so far? I know there was uh, Threads and Mastodon, and but is any really uh, nothing is caught on? Nothing yeah. is caught on. Threads had a good week when they launched. I mm-hmm. I think most people haven't been back since. I think they just yeah. go back to Instagram and Facebook. Wow, wow! It's the death of that platform. He, I think that's a write-off. It was not all his money. I mean, there's a you know he got investors to help him, but he certainly overpaid. And as I was saying before, he kind of. He made the purchase at gunpoint, didn't he? He had to, you know, he was sued into it in effect. Uh, after yeah, it's one, one of the sad, yeah. one of the sadder stories that we've come across over the few years, right? I mean, Twitter used to be a lot of fun. Well, it was not only fun, but it was also a platform where you could follow everything from the U.S. Forest Service to uh, fire departments to, uh, you know, emergency crews that were responding to various things in your community. It was kind of the the best of Nextdoor, the Citizen app, and everything else going on. The National Weather Service, NOAA. You get information on climate. You could get, I mean, and and then articles on politics and all the rest. It was such a great clearinghouse, and I, I honestly don't know how to navigate Facebook or, or Instagram to get that degree, that tonnage of information. You know, it's, I think it's, it's, it's a poor, it's a poor also ran those two compared to what Twitter was anyway. So definitely. Yeah. Uh, Don't forget Jefferson Graham photo walks TV right here on YouTube and his sub stack. There he is in Boulder Creek and you can find all kinds of great stuff. He's traveled the West on the trip that I want to take. And, of course, there. wow, that is just stunning. Absolutely stunning. So much great stuff in this country, you know. Yes, R- nearby. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks, Jeff. Appreciate you. Thanks, Mark. And we'll, uh, we'll talk next week. Jefferson Graham, everybody. Right on. The Mark Thompson Show. Well, I have um, a Pulitzer Prize uh, winner waiting, and I also have him waiting um, in a place that's not sort of uh, his normal place. David K. Johnston is on an overseas conference meeting. It's a meeting of investigative journalists. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And... um, He's in Sweden, believe it or not. I love it. <laughs> uh, almost 2,200 investigative uh, uh, journalists 
are there at this global investigative journalism conference. And, you know, David has won awards for his investigative journalism, so he's just got to be something that's of a, the grand poobah there. But I'm curious to know about that and more. Can we bring him on now, Kim? That's a bad room to try to evade a question, right? <laughs> <laughs> you got 12, 1,200 investigative journalists. Like, what do you mean you're not going to answer the question? Mm-hmm. Uh, All right. Yeah, those yeah, panels are good. No one's being evasive. Let's get um, him in there. Let's do it. Yeah, uh, he's a Pulitzer Prize winner, yeah. you know, best-selling author as well, and so generous, especially today. I don't even know what time it is over in Sweden to uh, join us regularly uh, on Tuesdays. David K. Johnston. Hello, Mark. Hello, sir. What time is it over there? Nine o'clock. Oh, okay. <laughs> Nine hour time difference in California. All right. So we're in we're in, uh, we're in, we're in Goth- Gothenburg, Sweden. About a million people here, and there's. Uh, 2,200 journalists from all over the world. Global Investigative Journalism Conference. So what, uh, first of all, how do they decide on Sweden, on that place, Gothenburg, Sweden? Well, we've held these all over the world since the first one in 2001. So we've met in Kiev and Johannesburg, and I've spoken at most of these. Um, We were supposed to meet in Sydney, Australia, but the uh, COVID intervened. Uh, Rio de Janeiro, Toronto, uh, we have not met in the United States for two reasons. One is uh, up until this administration, and we don't know about this administration, they can make it very difficult for journalists to come visit. Uh, they see. don't like those journalists. And uh, these other countries have, don't impose restrictions like that. And then secondly, <clears throat> there's always concern in a global organization that the U.S. will run it. The Americans will run it. Mm-hmm. And so there's been a r- real effort by David Kaplan, who uh, started out at the Center for Investigative Reporting in the East Bay and who was the executive director w- and will be until Thursday, f- who put this all together, um, that we you know, have people from all around the world. That we So there are lots of people here today in, in this gigantic uh, hotel complex we're in from... Right. Uh, from Africa, North and South, from uh, Asia, from Latin America, and, of course, from all over Europe. Yeah, I mean, I can only imagine it's got to be very exciting, the, uh, you know, the information exchange. And uh, it's, it's a two-week conference. Is that what you were saying? No, 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 no. It's, uh, it started today, and it'll end Friday afternoon. Okay. I'm here to speak at two panels out of the, I think there's 200 panels. David, you're like Santa over there. I'm sure everybody wants their time with you. I want to quickly, I know I'm really uh, so uh, excited that we get to spend a minute with you. And I wanted to chat with you uh, about the missing F-35. There was this fighter jet that went down, as you know. And uh, it went missing, and then they found the debris. But it, it brings up this awful military spending. This is this insanely expensive weapon systems of $80 million is what they, they say. And I'm sure there are other costs on top of that, but that's the price tag that they advertise. And uh, it doesn't even work very well. This jet, I was mentioning that from a military perspective, it doesn't, uh, but, but more to the point. And you, I found an old piece you did for the uh, Columbia journalism review, and it's called the true cost of national security. And you talk about in this piece, all the different ways that they sort of repackage numbers to make them not seem as big or, but, or hide real spending. But I wonder if you can give me a minute on this country and the amount spent and why we just cannot 
curb this dog of overspending on the military? Well, the news media generally reports on the Pentagon budget. How much is the Department of Defense and the five military, I guess now six military branches under it going to receive? That's just the start of our national security budget. Then you have to throw in uh, all the intelligence agencies, which run about $100 billion a year. Uh, You have to add Homeland Security because most of its function has to do with national security. And when you add all of these up, the uh, real cost is about double what you will typically read about in the newspaper. So we just approved a somewhere between $700 billion and $800 billion Pentagon budget. Uh, And the total will be more than twice that. And this just goes to how um, lots of journalists write what's in press releases or what's announced to them. They don't sit down with the federal budget, which is uh, you know uh, published in multiple volumes because it's thousands of pages. And you'd think if you if you go get it's free on the internet, the budget of the United States for fiscal year uh, twenty three twenty four, the current year or twenty four twenty five, which starts at the end of this month. You'd think the first thing you'd see is a chart and a table about here's the money we're going to spend in total in the breakdowns. <laughs> no, 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 no. Text, 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 fine details, and you have to go through and add all this stuff up. And what I count is everything under what's called budget category 05050, budget category 50. That's all the national security spending that we have. And it is enormous. And part of the reason it's enormous is that we are, in our military, uh, have a doctrine of being able to simultaneously fight two wars, as we did in World War II, one in the Pacific, one in the Atlantic. Um, We are building uh, new aircraft carriers. That The first one, the Gerald Ford, well, it's a technological marvel. It cost $14 billion, and that's just for the aircraft carrier, because an aircraft carrier is part of a flotilla. There are attack submarines to protect it. There are destroyers and frigates and uh, tender ships. And there's a whole group of ships in this killing machine. And then, of course, you've got to put the helicopters and the jet fighters <laughs> and the other airplanes on the, on the, and train everybody. And war is expensive. Um, uh, if you look at the Russian invasion of Ukraine, it's just like taking billions of dollars and creating a a pile and pouring gasoline on it. It's insanely expensive with technology. Now, the fighter jet that went missing, there have been close to a 1,000 of these new generation jets built. Uh, We have them in our military. We sell slightly less lethal versions to our friends. And the plane has a very good safety record. It's not like, say, in World War II, in the Korean War, um, the F-86 Sabre jets, they knew the engines could blow up and a lot of pilots died because they're screaming along in the skies and the engine blows up. Um, these have a very good safety record, but this is an astonishing development in the news. It has stealth technology we don't want anybody to get their hands on. The plane, something goes wrong. The pilot ejects over the Carolinas 
<laughs> we have to ask the public, please help us find our missing yeah. $150 to $200 million jet. That's the, the total cost of each unit in that range. Uh, so there it is, as we said, it's $150 million. It's twice what the advertised uh, yeah. uh, tag on it is. Yeah. yeah. And <clears throat> the way of the future is things like this are likely to get more and more expensive. Um, of course, th- this jet has the ability to basically be aware of everything in the sky around it. You know, a little tiny um, uh, uh, ultralight aircraft owned by civilians and really lethal threats. It's stealth. It's designed to cause radar signals to not ping back its location. It can fly at supersonic speeds. It can go literally straight up in the air like a rocket if you burn enough fuel. Um, And it has all sorts of of, uh, guidance systems for the... um, uh, armor that it carries, but man, yeah, you're talking a lot of money when something goes wrong, 150 to $200 million. Well, and also I was noting in the first hour, a lot of stuff goes wrong all the time with this particular weapon system. It's been, you know, viewed as a real, uh, uh, less than efficient use of money. I mean, even in the inefficient world of the Pentagon and you know, the half of that fleet of planes is operational. The other half is waiting on parts, and they have a real problem with parts for this plane. It, it's just a. It. It. it I was mentioning making the point. Uh, it's been made before. I was just noting that it seems as though we're so invested. It, for example, it's a classic uh, parallel for the military spending overall. There's just so much invested that you can't pull back. You know, I mean, we, we, you know, you're, you're, you're pot committed, as they say in poker, you know. Well, one of the things that happened here, and this has happened with a couple of previous fighters, the Air Force says we need the following jet. And then they go, well, let's be efficient. Let's have the Navy have the same basic model. We'll modify it for them. And then the Marines, they have a specialized military core, a military uh, purpose. We'll have it for them. So you end up with an airplane for three branches of the service whose needs are not necessarily consistent instead of building three different airplanes. And of course, all of this is done by private contractors. Lockheed Martin is by far and away the biggest uh, who are entitled to earn profits, but they're virtually monopoly suppliers. So what their real profit margins are and what they report to shareholders may not be consistent. Um, uh, the, the, and, but let's not, you know, there are real costs here to national security. We, we shouldn't ignore that. I mean, it's like uh, people who don't like Obama when he took his wife to a play and dinner in New York complained about the cost. People who don't like George Bush when uh, he would fly home to the ranch and, and chop wood or whatever, a mesquite, would complain. The costs of the, protecting the president of the United States are the costs of protecting the president of the United States, period. They're built in. And you should be able to take your spouse to the ice cream shop if you want to. And the taxpayers just have to bear that cost. Sure. In the case of the military, um, the prevailing doctrines have been challenged by a lot of people, including military people, for a long time. And now we have something the U.S. doesn't have, but the Russians have and the North Koreans claim to have, and that's a hypersonic missile a missile that could strike anywhere on the planet without going into outer space in less than an hour. And the problem that poses is when we build things like aircraft carriers at 14, roughly $14 billion each, a hypersonic missile can take out the aircraft carrier. 
Is that the most efficient and smartest way to project American military power around the world? Or has the world moved on and we should do something different? Do we really need to have as many nuclear attack submarines, the, the big ones that carry missiles, not the small attack submarines where they can put divers out the door and do intelligence gathering? Um, <clears throat> do we need to have as many of those as we do? And do we need to have all the capabilities that we do? Now, this jet fighter, the advocates will tell you, is somewhere between 15 and 25 years ahead of anybody else because of its advances in uh, metallurgy, in avionics, and other design features, a lot of which are secret. I'll take their word for it, that that the most dedicated effort tomorrow by Beijing or uh, the Kremlin, if it had the money, uh, to develop a comparable plane will take them 15 years. But 15 years is is not that far away. Right. Uh, 15 years backwards, we're in the year 2008, and George W. Bush is still in the White House. So (laughs) it's an endless, uh, not so much an arms race as a tax race. By the the way, the the, total Category 50 spending on national security that I talked about, that's greater than the total amount of just individual income taxes, or roughly equal to it, it's a little bit more, than the individual income taxes we all pay. Just Think of all the things we need to have in our government, right? You have to have food safety, transportation safety, uh, research, uh, medical research, training uh, doctors, uh, a court system. That's all on top of that. Wow, it's a it, it's extraordinary, and it's a stranglehold that they have on Washington and on the legislature legislators and they do it i was mentioning in the first hour because they sprinkle a little bit of that money on all the states so everybody's got a stake in it i guess but but ultimately what you're talking about is sort of a reimagination of of defense i mean some of these systems that are really holdovers from world war ii or whatever i mean they've just been you know they need to be mothballed and we need to i, I feel as though david that the, the the new frontier involves technology on a level that uh, is the sort of stuff that we see with hackers and, you know, with right. trying to, uh, you know, protect American and the American intelligence community and the society from from that real threat. Well, back in the late 90s, I tried to sell first as a news article to my editors at The New York Times and then later as a an idea for a screenplay. Um. What if the Chinese were to, uh, uh, and and at the time, the number one military strategist in China had written that war with the United States is inevitable and the duty of the People's Liberation Army was be prepared to defeat the United States no matter what. Um, What if the Chinese took a different approach? What if they embedded in our electrical grid some kind of a subtle software or firmware or hardware that would allow them a signal to shut down the entire grid in the United States uh, or grids, the multiple ones. And of course, my editors of the New York Times were, well, that's very speculative, da, 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 da. It's not your field. And the Hollywood people just thought this is so far outside. Oh my of the- God. Never mind all the things <laughs> they do that are way out in the realm. It just it, it didn't go anywhere. Well, we now know that the U.S. government's national security apparatus is very concerned about exactly this. We know that the Russians have demonstrated to us that they could turn off and turn on hydroelectric dams where I live in western New York. They did it to make a point. We turned around and did it to them. We shut down electricity in various places where we've somehow planted technology. 
the future of warfare, I suspect, will be less uh, bullets and uh, missiles and more using technology to soften up a target. And removing electricity would be very effective at doing that. If you could suddenly make the whole U.S. go dark within a matter of minutes and you only had people who have uh, independent generators, hospitals have those often, uh, uh, there are other buildings that have them, but it's a tiny fraction and they don't, they don't run that long. They've, they've got a limit in either battery power or fuel. That would be a very effective mechanism. And there is a future of War Department at the Pentagon, and they do think about these things. And I've known people who work there, and they are incredibly thoughtful and smart in an area that requires enormous, enormous amounts of knowledge about technology, diplomacy, et cetera. But the public, we're not paying attention to this stuff anywhere near as much as we should to what's being done with our tax dollars. And just one last point here. Uh, my former uh, colleague at the New York Times and the Philadelphia Inquirer, Tim Weiner, wrote a fantastic book at the end of the last century called A Legacy of Ashes. A, the first serious history of the CIA. And in it, he revealed two interesting things about Eisenhower. Eisenhower did not originally in his first draft write the military-industrial complex that he warned us about. He wrote oh. the military-congressional-industrial complex. There is a defense plant in every one of the 435 congressional districts, every single one of them, and that is not by accident, and it's not by efficiency. It's by political design. Uh, and then the other thing that he uh, brilliantly pointed out in this book was how if you want to know how many tons of coal are being mined in uh, North Korea and uh, uh, what the production of wheat is in uh, uh, Russia, the CIA is really good at that stuff. But if you want to know, is there going to be a revolution in Tehran, as we saw in 1979, um, if there's an overthrow of the government somewhere, are we going to know about it? Despite all the cloak and dagger stuff and the movies that we see, uh, James Bond and the and a thousand variations of it, turns out they're really awful at that. They're just <laughs> awful. They, they, uh, they don't know nearly as much as they think, and they... Uh, and, and his book is is really a very devastating indictment. He's doing a new book now on another aspect of this uh, that I'm sure will be very widely read. Oh, uh, listen, you've got to connect us. So that book's out. I'd love to have him on the yeah, I'd love to have him on the show. And just to your point, you know that whole thing that happened under the Trump administration. I always talk about how tough we are on defense and the Republicans. Yeah. And Republican administration, you know, the Russian hackers broke into federal agencies. That was a U.S. official statement that the Russian hackers, state-sponsored, broke into federal agencies. And it's unclear as to whether or not stuff was left in those various places where they broke in or, you know, even if they still have a, a presence, a shadowy presence. So it's, uh, it's very much of the moment, I think, that issue. Absolutely correct. And here's a little fact very few people know. James Comey, uh, who said contrary to FBI policy just before the election in 16, that he was reopening the Hillary Clinton emails investigation, which damaged her terribly. Um, he was asked about Hillary Clinton using her private email server. Um, uh, Madeleine Albright, Colin Powell, um, uh, Condoleezza Rice, they all used private email because the State Department's uh, lowest government bid contract for its email system is just an awful, terrible system. 
And we know that the Russians and the Iranians and others broke into the State Department's email system. So he was asked, well, did they break into Hillary Clinton's system, which was run off a server in her house in Chautauqua? And he said, well, they went over it and they found no fingerprints or evidence of it. In other words, it appears Hillary Clinton was protecting our national security by by using her own email server. Because when you do break into these things, there are ways that people who are computer scientists can figure out the really top ones who got into the system. They have little built-in clocks, right? And normally you leave little bits of software behind and they found nothing on Hillary Clinton's uh, server in, in Chautauqua in suburban New York uh, to support that the Russians got into her her uh, uh, private email system. That's wild. It was all headlines and announcements. And as it turns out, there was no there there. David, I'll let you get back to your conference. So appreciate you <laughs> spending time with us. So you'll be back in the States oh, on Tuesday? next week, but I think next week I'll be in... Uh, Germany or France or somewhere. Oh We're here for God, country. that's great. So. <laughs> Terrific. Right, take care. Well, you, you too. Thanks, David K. Johnson, everybody. Bye, David. Thank you. The Mark Thompson Show. Let me put my credibility glasses on here, uh, if I might. And uh, maybe we can get rid of that banner. There you go. All right. The um, That was cool to have him from Sweden. Wow. Yeah. He's a, he's a real guy. Yeah. It was very cool. Um. Uh, China wants that Silicon Tech to reverse uh, engineer. I see. That's interesting. From Chris. Um, uh, she must have used Norton's as champagne washes of Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. Um, what else is here? I'll quickly look. Um, Laurie says, you know, whatever we, we can imagine, they've already mapped out as a possibility somewhere. Or did David just say we're really awful at it? No, he said that the U.S. has futurists, technology futurists, who do a good job is what he was saying. Um, But you've got all this money pouring into old-school technology. Um, The... um, uh, Anything else? Uh, I am looking. I am looking. I don't see anything. Tony and Kim, you haven't reported anything, so I'm going to move on. Is that right? Let's do it. Very, very good. The Mark Thompson Show. I uh, will remind you, though, if you do want to join us, you can do it in the chat. You can also do it when the show ends under comments. Coming up in the coming minutes, right after Kim's news, the joy of Costco a treasure hunt from A to Z. It is so much a love letter to Costco. But more than that, all this cool stuff that you never knew about Costco. And the book is really fun, and I think you'll love talking to these guys about this. You'll, you know, I mentioned cashews, Kim. Yeah. Because you can buy all those cashews. Costco sells more than half of the world's cashews. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's... Uh, what? I know. I'm not saying that that's information you can drop at a barbecue particularly, but it is kind of <laughs> wild. Uh, it sells seven times more hot dogs than all the U.S. baseball stadiums combined. This is Costco. Well, because they sell them for cheap. 
right? Mm. I mean, they you can buy it. You can go to Costco for lunch. I think it's a dollar fifty for right. a hot dog and a soda. I mean, Tony, you did, didn't. Were you the one? So who much told for me healthy living. Yeah, <laughs> you said that they wouldn't. Uh, I believe that was was it. You, Tony. Thanks, Tony. The uh, guy who said, uh, "Oh, let me look." Tony's put something up there. Uh, the founder of Costco told a CEO who wanted to raise the prices of Costco's hot dogs, "If you raise the effing hot dog, I will kill you. <laughs> Figure it out." Wow. That's... Good day, sir. So that was the. In other words, uh, this is an exchange between Costco founder Jim Senegal and Costco CEO Craig Yelenick over the cost of their hot dog and soda combination. Yeah. This is a staple of the brand, as Kim has said, that has not changed since 1985. As the story goes, Yelenick wanted to raise the price of the hot dog combo, and Senegal said, uh, no, if you raise it, I will kill you. <laughs> this is my absolute favorite Costco story. <laughs> I it is a you. it is a true story as uh, they're identified on Snopes or whatever. Yep. Um, Costco sells six million pumpkin pies each year, <laughs> but only between September and December, they sell six million. Um, why and when we'll find out. Did Costco begin selling caskets to members? We'll ask them when they get here. Is it David and Susan both are going to come on board? I believe so, yeah. Oh, that'll be great. So I really think you'll love hearing from them. And it's not only a love letter, as I say, there are a lot of cool facts in there that you'll, um, you'll appreciate as well. All right. It is, uh, it is time, though, to, um, to quickly check in on what's, what else is happening. And... The Mark Thompson Show. When I say that, I'm talking about a regular feature on our show. We like to look at what's happening in courtrooms, out on the streets, all of the madness we can pack into law and disorder. In the criminal justice system, the people... Pimps, addicts, thieves, bums, winos, girls who can't keep an address, and men who don't care... ...are represented by two separate yet equally important groups. A cop, a flatfoot, a bull, a dick, John Law, you're the fuzz, the heat, you're poison, you're trouble, you're bad news. These are their stories. Let's start with our favorite lawyer gone rogue, Rudy Giuliani. Giuliani, who was representing the former president in all sorts of courtrooms, defending the former president with ridiculous conspiracy theories about the last election. Giuliani got his own lawyers, because as it turns out, a lot of that BS he was slinging had repercussions, legal repercussions. And now those lawyers who he employed are suing the former mayor, Rudy Giuliani, because he didn't, if you guess, pay his legal fees, give yourself points. Yes. $1.36 million in past legal fees. As they defended Rudy Giuliani in numerous controversies, several of them related to Donald Trump's efforts to overturn the election, the fees ran up to $1.36 million. Now they want their money. They've wanted it for some time. The new lawsuit adds to the list of legal troubles for the former Trump lawyer. 
He's had to pay his own way, even though, you know, he was a loyal Trump guy. Trump wasn't there with the money. No. Giuliani faces charges in Georgia. Surrendering police at a Fulton to a police, I should say, at that Fulton County jail last month. That was over charges he helped to conspire with Trump to overthrow the election by lying to state legislators and spreading election fraud misinformation. And a week later, a federal judge ruled that he was liable for defaming two Georgia election workers. I felt that was just one of his. And and believe me, it's quite the sweepstakes and quite the competition of the lowest Giuliani moment. But the attack on those two workers still sickens me. And Giuliani and Trump, I wish there was another way they could pay. Anyway, his old counsel is turning against him. They accuse him of not paying up all the money that he owes for them representing him through his legal battles. Giuliani has already paid the firm, which he employed on a retainer agreement, that they say he broke. He's paid them $214,000. His last payment was $10,000, according to the filing, back on um, just a few days ago, five days ago. Do you think, you know, he had this whole stint as America's mayor when he was seemingly beloved Do you think even back then he was a bad guy? Because now you get to the point where he's pressuring these poll workers and he's intimidating, allegedly intimidating people and just being a general nuisance. Has he always been a a low life or is this a new, did he kind of go crazy and has it been a new development? I will tell you something that I think a lot of people are not going to tell you. And that is because he's been dining out on mm-hmm. being America's mayor after 9-11 for a long time. Yep. That horrifying tragedy helped burnish this profile as the real American mayor. All because he said, we've got to get back to work, we've got to get back to buying things, we've got to get back to business in New York, we're bigger than this, mm-hmm. etc. Even as New York grieved from, the, as I say, this horrifying event of 9-11. He's been dining out on that and that reputation for a long time. I would tell you that I do not believe he's different. I think Giuliani was always this way. We may have seen more naked examples of it lately, but even his election denial is something that he road-tested. Google it. Mm. He road-tested it in New York. Google it. Rudy Giuliani, in my judgment, has always been sleazy. And... That doesn't mean that everything he did was sleazy. You know, Rudy Giuliani was a, a, a DA, and he went after uh, Milken and the Wall Street uh, junk bond guys for, you know, a long time. He built a reputation that wasn't completely undeserved. But what I'm saying is his ascendance to mayor and then the years that followed, I think they've been typified by more of this than by the stuff that's flattering to Rudy Giuliani. So I'm not a Giuliani fan. I never have been. And so I would tell you that these are always shades of who he was, and now you're Mm -hmm. seeing it nakedly across the board. Um, Anyway, he owes a lot of money to his his lawyers. The other big news in law and disorder is about the Oakland police chief. There is a report that actually clears the Oakland police chief of wrongdoing. I mean, they terminated the Oakland police chief back in February 
And at that time, the Oakland police chief said, I did not engage in policy violations. I do not have any issues around credibility in the statements that were made regarding me and that investigation. And those statements that were made were unfounded. This is this guy, Chief Armstrong, right? Leron Armstrong, there he is. So, uh, and you can correct me on this, Kim. I feel like you know this maybe a little bit better than I do, but it's my understanding that um, the city of Oakland was being monitored by the feds. Isn't that right? That's because true, of, because yeah. of the Oakland Riders case and some um, pretty egregious uh, wrongs that happened within the Oakland Police Department. That's Thank right. you. So that's the point. So th- there was like a, uh, there was the Fed over the shoulder of the Oakland Police Department because they have been embroiled in all of these controversies, as uh, Kim was saying. So the, uh, and what is that? I can't see what that is. The report rejects the conclusion of outside investigation into, into the former chief. Um, so what is that? That's from the city of Oakland. They're saying the police commission. Yeah, this was a, a press release from the city of Oakland. Yeah, they're saying don't believe the other report about the Oakland police chief. Believe our report about the Oakland police chief. Isn't that what they're saying, Kim? It seems to me that the mayor, the new mayor of Oakland, Sheng Tao, was very quick to pull the trigger on the firing of Leron Armstrong and didn't wait for an investigation. There was... There was some incident where an officer was involved in a car accident uh, and there was uh, some type of he didn't report it. And then there was a a shot fired in an elevator in the police department. And Mm. these two incidents, apparently they didn't feel like the officer uh, involved was uh, strongly punished enough or that an investigation was was thoroughly conducted. And so because of that, uh, Sheng Tao just went and fired Leron Armstrong without really much, you know, investigation or or it seems to me thought and he said the whole time no i've done everything properly i investigated the officer he's been you know dealt with administratively everything's fine this is what i've done everything by the book and she said "Uh uh-uh you're fired and it's unclear whether she's want you know wanted her own person in there whether she just didn't like the guy or what have you but now with this new report saying that he his firing was unjust it doesn't seem like she's giving him his job back. I mean, she hasn't come out today and saying and said, my bad, I'm sorry. I moved too quickly on that. Please uh, come back and, and run the department. Yeah. Uh, her office says, I placed then-Chief Armstrong on administrative leave so that I could take careful consideration of the best path forward. During that period, I was troubled by then-Chief Armstrong's many statements indicating that he saw no need for deep reflection or change within the department. Again, this is a troubled department in Oakland. It is important, back to the quote from the mayor, it's important that we remember the context. We were in the process of determining whether an officer committed a hit and run and failed to report it, and whether OPD, Oakland Police Department, failed to rigorously investigate it. Before he had seen the full report, much less the underlying evidence, and while he was still a chief of police, Mr. Armstrong immediately dismissed the allegations as, quote, mistakes and not systematic problems, and insisted the officer had already been held accountable. That lack of leadership, she goes on, led me to lose confidence in his commitment to reform and his ability to serve Oakland as a credible messenger and partner to the federal court and federal monitor in finally ending 20 years of oversight. So she is going on what she considers to be a constellation of 
behavior and dismissal of these issues within the department. And that's what she's claiming as her high ground. But again, the feds are saying, the federal investigator, I looked, I didn't see the guy did anything wrong. Yep. And so that continues. So they're gonna, um, there's going to be, if she doesn't give him his job back, big old lawsuit. And the city oh. of Oakland will likely have to pay through the... The nose is that the the cliche to uh, to <laughs> yeah. make it right with Lee, uh, former chief Lee Ron Armstrong. Yeah, this stink is going to get on everybody. Yep. So uh, that's law and disorder for today. Tune in again next time for more Law and Disorder on the Mark Thompson Show. All right, that's it. Let's roll. Hey, let's be careful out there. News after Kim's news, we get into Costco. Costco superfans David and Susan Schwartz, they did this great book, The Joy of Costco. It's got some Costco history in it. It also has all these facts about Costco. It's really fun. So have, have you ever uh, seen the, the the couples that love Costco so much they get married there? Oh that oh, that is really yeah. <laughs> that is part of the Costco magic. There's the book. The Joy of Costco, a treasure hunt from A to Z. That's cool. And they they do break it up from A to Z. So we'll get to them uh, next. Smash the like button like a boss if you haven't. Give us a thumbs up wherever you are, whatever you're doing, however you're watching. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much for that. Kim's News. Then it's all about Costco. Next. The Mark Thompson Show. On the Mark Thompson Show, I'm Kim McAllister. This report is sponsored by Coachella Valley Coffee. A new strike deadline announced by the United Auto Workers president, Sean Fain, says if no substantial progress in contract talks has been made by noon Friday, September 22nd, they will call on more local unions to expand their stand-up strike. Currently, the automaker is striking at three auto plants, one from each of the big three automakers. Speaking of unions, contract talks between the uh, Writers Guild of America and the Hollywood Studios scheduled to resume tomorrow. The two sides' last official meeting was August 22nd. Film and TV writers are still demanding protections against artificial intelligence, minimum staffing in writers' rooms, and to be better informed on how well shows and streaming services are performing in terms of viewership. President Biden is saying that it is up to Russia that they alone have the power to end the war in Ukraine as soon as today it could happen. He addressed world leaders at the United Nations General Assembly today. President Biden saying the United States and its allies around the world will continue to stand with Ukraine. The bankrupt cryptocurrency exchange FTX is suing. You can see there's Sam Bankman-Fried. Yep. He's the one being arrested there in that picture. Well, Mm. FTX is suing founder Sam Bankman-Fried's parents now. The lawsuit accuses them of using millions in company funds for themselves and their pet causes. Attorneys for the couple denied the claims in a statement, called them a dangerous attempt to intimidate Joe and Barbara and undermine the jury process just days before their child's trial begins. So is it... Gosh, got to keep mom and dad clear of the blast. I guess so. uh, In this case, uh, they're very much a part of it. It seems like potentially, it. Yeah. or is it all? Uh, you know, is it all a ruse? Who knows? Well, they they were uh, 
connected to it, but I, I'm not sure how responsible they are. You know, I don't know if they misused money or whatever, but I know they were connected. They're lawyers, you know, they're, I believe they're Stanford. One of them is a professor or former professor at Stanford. So yeah, yeah they, uh, they're connected, but I don't know if they're connected, you know, in the bad way. Mm. We'll see. Uh, again, that's a situation in which there's stink on everybody. And sadly they are, you know, yeah. part of it. Uh, the gas prices up and up and up. It's just there seems to be no end to it all. Ongoing refinery problems are being blamed for gas prices eclipsing the $6 a gallon mark in much of California. Four refineries have had unexpected outages recently. They say that's disrupted the supply of gasoline. Really? According to AAA, the average price for a gallon of regular in Los Angeles County is $6.03. That's 47 cents more than just a week ago, an 11 cent jump in a day. The most expensive gas in California can be found in Alpine County along the California-Nevada border. A gallon of gas there costs about seven bucks a gallon. Wow. (laughs) I like every time somebody sneezes at a refinery, they can justify another 30 cent increase at the pump. It's crazy. It's wild. Oh, they've got the excuses for why it's more expensive. It's it's the rocket feather syndrome, and you know, they talk about it that the prices rocket up but feather down. Okay, yeah, so they're gonna I don't like they're gonna that. T- yeah. It's it's a, it's an economic. I think it's a term from economics that oh. they take off that way, and then yeah, they're slow to drop them. You know, when the refinery's back online, of course they are. They want as much money as they can suck out of us is what they want. Mm. Um. There is a a man accused of murdering a sheriff's deputy who was arrested after a standoff at his Palmdale home yesterday. His name is uh, Salazar. His last name is Salazar. I don't have the first name. He's accused of killing Deputy Ryan Clickenbroomer last weekend after driving up on that deputy and ambushing him. A family member says Salazar has mental health issues that include schizophrenia and hearing voices in his head. The sheriff's deputy in Southern California uh, is the the person who was killed in this incident of the claim of mental illness being made by Salazar's family members. Speaking of mental illness, there is a new study that shows you can, uh, oh, she looks happy and healthy in her life. A new study (laughs) shows you can cut your risk of depression by more than half simply through adopting a healthy lifestyle and perhaps running through a field at sunset. I don't know. (laughs) Researchers at the University of Cambridge studied more than 300,000 people in the UK biobank database, and they identified seven habits that make a real difference, and they are a good night's sleep, regular exercise, good nutrition, avoiding tobacco, and limiting your alcohol consumption, limiting sedentary time, and cultivating social connections through hobbies. All the things that we've always heard that are good for you, that's what's good for you. It so is strange, though, that surprise. I'll just say this, that, yeah, I mean, it is hard to do some of these things. We do know it. As Kim says, it's sort of we just know this stuff, but sometimes it's hard to execute on it. Your relationships mm-hmm. are more fragile than you think. Your social group is more fragile, as I say, and, you know, prone to disintegration than you may think. Your ability to discipline yourself and work out is oddly a more fragile relationship than you think. There are very mm-hmm. few who are out there all the time. You know, you get into a habit, but it's it's a hard habit to maintain. Uh, but clearly it it's... It has so many benefits, all of yeah. those things. Wow. Well, then, you know, you can feel the joy as pe- as pictured here. So, <laughs> you know, got to do something and get yourself in a joyful spot. 
Come on, kids. Not so joyful. Our friend Fiona Ma, California treasurer, she is set to go to trial in Sacramento Superior Court amid a sexual harassment lawsuit. Judith Blackwell, a former top-level employee of Ma's office, alleges wrongful termination and racial discrimination in addition to the sexual harassment. The lawsuit contends Ma rented hotel rooms in Sacramento for staff to stay in after they were working late. Blackwell claims Ma called her into her bedroom on multiple occasions, exposed her nude backside, and climbed into Blackwell's bed with her. Ma denies the allegations. She's filing a motion to dismiss the case. Ma's spokesperson uh, saying Ma's office is pleased that a number of the allegations have been thrown out and the treasurer will have her day in court. Wow. Mm. And this, this is the last story. It starts off a little, why is she telling me this? And then it ends strong. All right. So bear with me for a minute. <laughs> I like when Kim tells us what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Petaluma's St. Vincent de Paul High School is naming Mm -hmm. an interim principal after its former principal was suddenly removed from his position. Math teacher, tennis coach, and school administrator Tony Greco is to serve as the principal of the Catholic school for now. Former principal Patrick Daly was let go late last month, prompting several students and staff members to protest. It was later revealed Daly is accused of making at least $100,000 in unauthorized charges to a school credit card oh, issued to him. Wow. I mean, this guy is yes. beloved. People are picketing outside the school because he's let go. It turns out. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, my God. That is just wild. Yeah, Love allegedly $100,000 in unauthorized charges to a school oh, credit card yes. issued yeah. to him. We could try ignoring it, sir. Yeah. Wow. It is... Oh, yeah, man. Petaluma this police like are those, investigating. It's, yeah, it's like Daily those nuns the that they nail doing the same thing, yeah. you know, using the church credit card yeah, to go gamble in Vegas or something. And you see there the, the, the school motto, enter to learn, leave to serve. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. This report is sponsored <laughs> by the incredible people at Coachella Valley Coffee. They are... Amazing. You can get your 10% Mark Thompson discount across the board by entering Mark T at checkout, CoachellaValleyCoffee.com. The coffee is incredible. They'll ship it to you anywhere. The tea is also good. Ginger mint tea. Oh, man, Mm. is that excellent. CoachellaValleyCoffee.com. Enter Mark T at checkout to get your discount. We love it. We do love love it. it. I'm Kim McAllister. This is The Mark Thompson Show. Very well done. The Mark Thompson Show. It was great. I loved it. How would you handle this? We could try ignoring it, sir. Morning. You cannot say you love your country. Where are my weed smokers at? Stay at home and get baked. Yeah, we are on. It's our Tuesday. We like to finish strong, and today we will. I love this book. It's called The Joy of Costco. A Treasure Hunt from A to Z, and the authors are with us, both of them, David and Susan Schwartz. What's up, David and Susan hey. Schwartz? Hey, thank you so much for having us. Thanks Congratulations on the book. It's really cool. I want to get into some of the facts around Costco and some of the little cool stuff you have in the book. One of the things you start with in the book is how Costco happened, and I think that's really a cool story. Could you just summarize a little bit of that for us? How the, the company began? Exactly. It, you know, it all started with a guy named Saul Price. In uh, the 1950s, uh, his wife inherited a warehouse 
Uh, and he was trying to figure out what to do with it. And some buddies came up to him and said, listen, you know, we have a jewelry shop. Can we set up in, in this warehouse? And he said, sure, go ahead. And they basically started a company called FedMart. And this company uh, grew in the American Southwest for, for many years. In 1976, it was bought by a German company. And Saul and his son, Robert, uh, tried to figure out what to do next. And they came up with the idea, the prescient idea of a membership club uh, devoted to retail that would be in a warehouse they, they bought uh, in San Diego. And they called that Price Club. And they started Price Club in 76. And uh, it was hard going at first because they were they thought they were restricted to wholesale retail, wholesale, wholesale only in that particular area. It turned out that was wrong. They were able to uh, offer to anybody. And they, they did eventually offer membership to everybody. And it became very, very successful. It grew. And they went public in 1980. And when they did, uh, people began to take a look at this company and think, wow, that's an interesting business model. A very small curated number of products, about 3,800 in each warehouse, uh, keeping the price very, very low. Uh, membership is reasonably affordable. And, uh, you know, treating, uh, obeying the law, treating members right, treating uh, employees right, and treating vendors right, that was the, the, the discipline. And uh, a number of people began to take a look. I mean, Sam Walton took a look at it and created uh, Sam's Club. And uh, a guy up in Seattle named Jeff Brotman who uh, started to think this would be fun up in, in Seattle to start. And he reached out to a guy named Jim Sinegal, who had worked with Saul for many, many years. The two of them got along like a house on fire and started uh, a company called Costco. Uh, Costco and Price Club became fierce competitors over the next decade as they swept through the United States, opening up in places like Florida and the Northeast, even in Canada. And uh, eventually they decided to, to merge. And the merger took place, I think, in 1994. And here you are today. It's it's you know it's a global behemoth. It's really a spectacular success. Well, it's funny that you mentioned global because in your book you talk about, and I hadn't even thought about all of the Costco memberships that are sold and all the Costco outlets that are all around the world. I wonder if you could spend a, a, a second on that. It surprised me. Uh, more than a second, if you don't mind. Uh, Costco yeah, in, um, in the U.S. in forty-six different states, but also in thirteen other countries, and we have. In our insanity, we have been to at least one warehouse in every one of those countries and in every one of the U.S. states. In fact, we want to talk to you about how to get in the Guinness Book of World Records. Um, we've traveled the longest distance anybody ever has who doesn't work for the company to get to a warehouse. That would be from New York City to Auckland, New Zealand. Wow, years. that's great. And then a direct flight. Yes, there's a Costco much closer to us. Oh, <laughs> Belinda. Oh, you have that up there. We're, we're, we're just planning that trip right now. We're going to start that on this Saturday. This Saturday. Oh, that's just great. I mean, this was born of your legit love of Costco. I mean, you know, you're not authors who say, I mean, you are authors, I understand. But the, it, this wasn't like just some writing project. No, you no, legit no. loved Costco. Absolutely. Well, David, excuse me, David was a legitimate author. That's what I'm saying. You got okay. okay. I, I included you, Susan, to be polite. But uh, yeah. so Susan and I started got together as a couple in 2002, and one of the first things we we discovered about each other was that we both love Costco. You know, my parents had gone to Price Club. We grew up in the Bay Area. Price Club was a big Bay Area company. Susan's parents uh, were in Philadelphia. 
that was that was Costco country. And so we immediately un- understood that that's what we'd love to do. We would go to Costco because the quality of, of the products are great. The prices are, 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 are low and you never know what you're going to be able to find. You turn a corner, you find some kind of wow surprise that you weren't expecting. And so in 2016, when I finished my biography of Enrico Fermi, we were talking about next projects for me. And at one point, Susan looks at me and says, why don't we write a book together? We could write a book about Costco. We both love the company. We could travel the world. It would be huge fun. And we could discover what makes the, the company tick. Just, just a couple of problems here, Mark, if I could just jump in. Um, the first one, I've never written a book. So that's an issue. I'm not sure why I thought I could. She's a very good writer, by thank, the way. Thank you. Um, the second problem was um, 2016, no one had heard of COVID. So travel was going to become a lot more difficult. And then the biggest problem is that Costco is inherently modest and they had no interest in having a book written. So it took us two years to meet the surviving co-founder, Jim Sinegal, and the CEO, Craig Jelinek. It took another three years for us to convince them we were going to be writing this book. And in fact, we were writing it. So I'll never forget the day in, in August of 2021, we got an email from them saying, would you like to come for a meeting? We want to talk to you about it. We understand you're going to continue. We can't stop you. And after that point on, they were really generous with their time and information. We've done this completely independently of Costco. Um, they're, they're still kind of modest and embarrassed at all. The I, think, I think they're embarrassed that we wrote the book, but they're, but they're, you know, we're very, very grateful, very that, grateful. They're, that they're selling it in, in Costco warehouses. Well, I, and you know, hang on, we'll get to Kim yeah. for a second. I just want to make one point. You know, usually when you hear, oh, they're doing a, uh, a book on Costco, it's going to be uh, revelations associated with all the negatives with the company and, I mean, the controversies, and it's going to be an investigative piece that might ultimately skewer them. So you can see why they might recoil from, you know, <laughs> the idea that a book's being done on them. But as it turns out, it's a love letter with all kinds of fabulous facts. Now, Kim, please go ahead. I have been to the Costco, of course, here in the Bay Area. I live in the North Bay. And I've also been to the Costco in Maui. And I know that there are some different things in the Maui. Like they have some Hawaiian music. They have more boogie boards and more surf things. But I know that you've traveled around to all these Costcos. So I wonder if you can talk about what the differences are. Are there, is everything the same? Is it all laid out the same? Or do you find that when you go to Costco's in different areas, the products are different and things were a little bit funky in some spots? Well, you, you hit it on the head there. Um, that was part of the thrill for us as big Costco fans um, to go to, well, first of all, Maui, we've been to um, all of the warehouses in Hawaii. We had a, had a ball. I had never been to Hawaii. And these, the assortment of poke and, and fish is just mind blowing. They have something called um, apple bananas, which are really cool. Um, but in general, about 40% of the products in any given warehouse are um, uh, different regionally. So in, uh, in New Orleans, you'll find shrimp oil in a huge, big you know, jar. And in Alaska, you get reindeer sausage. Seriously, reindeer sausage. And then in what? Taiwan, the roast chicken, famous roast chicken is sold with the head on. So for us, oh. in the food court, let me tell you, in Canada, <laughs> they have poutine. And in, um, in Australia, they've got clam chowder and mushroom soup in a bread bowl. I mean, it's just different everywhere. It's really yeah. cool for Costco fans to go and see that. It's Where do they sell the chicken with the head on? In Taiwan. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, it's funny to hear Costco enthusiasts kind of nerd out to each other a moment ago when Kim is talking about, oh, I love the one in Hawaii. And you go, oh, yeah, the one in Hawaii is really cool, but check out the one in Australia. So uh, worldwide, it's just that way. They're all there. You had a, I'm doing this from memory, but I thought you had a fact in the book about, I want to say, 
Iceland or Greenland or someplace like that, where you said that like 75% of the people who live there are Costco members. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Iceland, I think, has something like 360,000 people. And when uh, Costco arrived in the country, it was the biggest thing that had happened there. And it continued to be the biggest thing that happened there for months and months and months. It was hard to get into the warehouse. People were lining up around the whole warehouse. Uh, traffic was... <laughs> Was and came come to a standstill, and all that anyone could talk about was 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 Costco, and which I mean, makes there, sense to us. Was, was, there's a, but there's a very interesting reason for that. You know, and the reason is because it's so remote that getting stuff there, getting getting products there, is really expensive. So Icelanders were used to paying very very high prices for everything. You know, for for bath tissue, for gasoline, for fresh food, for everything, and. Uh, Costco comes in and uses its extremely efficient and powerful logistic system to bring costs, prices way, way down. And it had an effect on the whole Icelandic economy and made every everything a little a lot more competitive. Wow. People still love when we visited there. You know, we were amazed. Everyone we talked to said, wow, Costco, we love Costco. So, you know, it's we felt right at home. We felt right at home. Yeah. Oh, the Joy that, of Costco, a, a treasure hunt from A to Z is the book. Go ahead, Kim. Les is asking what your favorite Costco is. Oh, gosh. We're not going to pick a favorite. You have a favorite. <laughs> yeah. It's like um, picking between children know. probably for you. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Although I guess we probably all know who the favorite is in every family. Anyway, <laughs> but the, um, one in Juno, the one in Juno is the smallest in the world. It's really wild. You walk in and you think, where's the Costco? There's no rotisserie oh. chicken in, in the Juno, Alaska warehouse. The one in Salt Lake City is the largest. Um our local, uh, number 1062 here in Manhattan, is the third smallest. And the second smallest is in Seoul. But I think one that's really, really unique would be, um, well, obviously Maui, because the view is amazing. But um, yeah. one that's really unique would be Mexico City, the um, Santa Fe warehouse. Uh, not Mexico, New Mexico, but Mexico, the country. And this is built on the edge of a large national park in the gorge. And half of the cost of this construction was the rooftop which is open to the public because it has a contemplative garden and a skateboard park and sports fields. So Costco just, whatever the cost was to build the warehouse, they doubled it voluntarily so that the public could have use of all these amazing facilities. Oh, that's cool. That is super cool. And other things get special food there. And also in Mexico, they sell the hot dogs. You could put pickled jalapeno peppers on them from a dispenser with unlimited numbers of them. They're really good. Do you Does have any the, Costco uh, secrets? I'm sorry, Mark. I'll, I'll I, have, I, I, I read the book. Let me ask I the question. Secret. I want Jeez, the secret. All of a sudden, Kim's quiet for the whole I want show, the, Tony. I want a, I don't I have a pair of Costco show. experts here, <laughs> and I need <laughs> them. Even get a word. No, no, no. She's just nothing for every show. She just sits <laughs> Why there. Why are you yelling? And all of a sudden, I can't shut her off. Kim, how are you? I'm, I'm sorry, sorry. Schwartz's, that you no, had I'm to even sorry. hear that. Right, but yes, yes, we, Mark, you'll like the answer. We do have a secret, and we're not telling you. And the, the, the answer is, what's secret about the pumpkin pie? We stumbled on something, and I'm special. And we, in part of our touring around and you know being escorted by Costco employees, and so we wrote to the CEO and said, we found this thing out. Um, we're guessing you don't want us to talk about it. And he said, let's just keep it between us. So it's going to the grave. Oh, okay. But but there are some secrets in the book. And I'm just, again, just kind of going from memory. But when I went, oh, that's cool. Like, I was curious where all the Kirkland products are made. And you answer that in your book, I believe. Isn't that right? Well, they're made, they're made all over the place, you know, and some of them are co-produced 
with you know brand names that you would know, but you know for one reason or another, the producer doesn't care or want to be identified uh, alongside Costco. Uh, th- there are cases where you know they are they are co-produced and people are, are can see it like Jelly Belly and Kirkland Signature have you know, this vast uh, jar of, of jelly beans. Um, but the yeah they um, they co they co-produce uh, a lot with 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 uh, with major manufacturers, the wines, for example, maybe maybe you know Kirkland Signature wines may come from some of the most famous vineyards in the world. Uh, it may be just excess that they don't real the the vineyard itself doesn't want to bottle for whatever reason. They do so. They essentially they white label the, the, a lot of their stuff, or that's how some of the costs are so low because it's it's extra product to some of these high end producers. That's, that's true. That's that's true with with some of this, of course. Kirkland Signature hot dogs are all made by Kirk, by Costco at a, a facilities uh, in California and in Illinois. Uh, so John wants to know when is the best time to go to get the most samples. Is there a secret there? Well, if you're brave, I would say Saturday afternoon, but it's also pretty crowded. It can, it can be crowded. Um, they, they're there every day of the week, um, but my personal theory, backed up by nothing, is that the weekends are um, are more popular for samples. Huge in Japan says Kirkland bourbon rocks. Okay. Um, Starbucks, I, Starbucks I just see Starbucks. Starbucks does make some Kirkland coffee, but it doesn't make all Kirkland coffee. Some of the coffees, and we go into this in the book. There's a whole chapter in, on coffee. Are, yeah. are imported directly to Costco and are roasted in a facility in New Jersey. Which smells so, great. Um, so that's absolutely right. Some of the coffee is, is Starbucks, but some of it is is not. These two people who love Costco so much, they've done this great book with all of these secrets. And some of the secrets are just facts that are not necessarily love letterish. For example, as I recall in this Joy of Costco, you note that Costco, while very successful in all the ways that you've just detailed internationally, et cetera, and certainly here in America, has not quite hit everywhere. Like it didn't, it doesn't land in every community with ultimate success. Is that, that's kind of what I recall from your book. Yeah, they, they started out in the Midwest in, in the, in the 1980s and it was very hard to penetrate. Um, and they pulled back and they were very upset about it. They closed, uh, I think three warehouses in Milwaukee and Minneapolis. And they, uh, you know, they paid off all of their vendors and they offered employees relocation to any other Costco location that was open. Uh, but they came back with with uh, with a, in a, with a storm in in 1998. They opened five Costco's in one day in Detroit, and they've been going strong in uh, in the Midwest ever since. They're also a little uh, less prevalent in the South because Walmart has had such a long head start in that part of the world. But they are they are in 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 every state in the South. So it's but just not as strong as they are. For example, California. I think has most warehouses of any state in the country. And the East coast also has a a lot of warehouses. Why do we associate going to Costco with buying, you know, huge volumes of things to get the uh, discount as opposed to, you know, just the small amount that you might find in a regular grocery store? You know, that's a myth. I think, I mean, we, we live in a 450 square foot apartment, which, you know, is part of the uniqueness of this story, I guess. Um, You're seeing all of it yeah. behind us here. Is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they live in Manhattan in this 450-foot apartment. I know this from, you know, reading your uh, about you. and you, uh, But you had this wanderlust for Costco. But you're saying you fit all your Costco products in that 450-foot space, no problem? 
Well, we have, okay, well, two problems. One is we ship home a lot of stuff because we find something special, we ship it home. So right now it looks a little bit like a Costco hoarders episode, but, um, but we do have a small storage unit. But I'll say that um, right now there's a, a kind of mayonnaise I'm getting at Costco. It's in a, a perfectly normal sized jar. It's not a 500 gallon tub. It's an avocado oil mayonnaise. It's a delicious product. It's just regular and it's a great price. Or you can get two slightly larger um, jars of grape and mustard. Um, yes, I do have a 500 pack of two, a, a leftover 500 pack of Q-tips my parents gave me when I was in college. I'm still working through that. Another part of the story that's really, uh, you thought we weren't crazy already? We decided to self-publish this. So we are eternally grateful to the 22 publishers who turned us down because Costco wouldn't guarantee they'd sell the book. And we published it ourselves. The name of our company, wait for it, Hot Dog Press. Um, and of course, print art is not shy. We printed 100,000 of these books. The reason why was because that was the lowest price per unit we could get to and also the exact amount of money we were willing to totally lose. Hopefully, Hopefully we not. not. Hopefully not. <laughs> well, now, it, it, will Costco... Is uh, Costco maintained their position that they're not going to sell the book, or might they? Well, they are selling the book. The book. We're they are selling. Okay, I, I missed it in that out. little run. Okay, we found that out um, about three, about three days after we finished manufacturing the books. <laughs> they're selling. That's it terrific. Way. Congratulations! It's really, it really is a love letter to them. I don't understand why they want. Um, from the chat, um, what's the most popular item Costco sells from Liz? bath tissue? Bath tissue is probably yeah. in most warehouses the most popular. In some locations, it's American vodka, Kirkland Signature brand. Yeah, the we used to have Kim. I don't know if you remember this, but uh, in the early days on KGO, we used to have a Costco correspondent. She worked in Costco. No, and she used to report to us regularly. She sent me these long emails, very detailed emails about what was going on at Costco. And the reason it became particularly relevant was when COVID hit. Everybody was descending on COVID for what you were talking about. That's what made me think yeah. of it, these toilet tissues and other stuff. Right. And then she started telling me, you know, there was a big run on paper towels today and all the hand sanitizer has been sold out for yeah. weeks now. And then she said, and this is the saddest thing she said, that the free samples were discontinued during COVID. Oh, yeah. yeah. But then it all came back and now life has been, you know, breathed back into that environment. But the the idea somehow that Costco um, is a warehouse that you can buy a bunch of stuff, uh, I think that's morphed into it just being sort of a living and breathing Amazon.com. You can get anything there and you can get it at a lower price. And you mentioned in the book that's sort of one of the directives that they set out, that they they had almost a mission directive, didn't they? Yeah, it's actually it's very different from Amazon in one way. Amazon will literally sell anything. Costco, as David said, is very, very strict and disciplined, very highly curated. They sell only 3,800 items, which is one of the reasons we were so delighted they're willing to sell our book. And they also, the pricing is at most only 14% above cost. So that's right. just really unique. And back to COVID for a second, um, you know, Costco does the right thing when no one's looking. And one of the things they did is a great example of this is during COVID, people my age or older or anybody who had an underlying health condition got full pay to stay home. People who did go to work got time and a half. And I can wow. tell you there are a lot of other companies that don't do that. Which really generous. That. Yeah, but they do, they're not, they, they say they're not altruistic about it. It's just good business. And the turnover rate reflects this. The employees are treated incredibly well and they stay. If you make it at Costco for a year, not that it's hard to do, but if you last a year, the turnover rate is less than 9%. Wow. It's Extraordinary. Stunning. 
I um I have I know it's it's supposed to be a discount of a discounted warehouse. You know, you get things for cheaper, but I can't get out of that place for under two hundred dollars. <laughs> and I'm wondering what what's the most as you've traveled around to all these Costco's. What's your highest uh, receipt? What's the most you've ever spent when you walked out of a Costco? Oh gosh. Well, I can tell you one thing that was insane that that we ended up buying. Susan is incredibly indulgent uh, to me. <laughs> We're walking around the Taiwan warehouse, and I'm uh, Susan wanders off, and I'm standing there with a the cart in the liquor department. And there's a, a 1.75 liter uh, uh, bottle of Glenmorangie Scotch, really good Scotch, yeah. for fifty-five dollars. It's basically half price for a Gigundo bottle of 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 this stuff. It'll last we, you a while. Uh, we put it we put it in the in the uh, cart and and okay, slept, okay, it, no, slept no, it home. No, excuse me. We we did not put it in the cart. I returned a few minutes later. <laughs> I looked in the cart and said, "Wow, we travel with carry-on luggage. What do you plan to do with that?" Did <laughs> once we bought a really large suitcase and, and then once we did that, we were off to the races. We filled it with all kinds of Taiwanese snacks and lots of fun stuff, and we um, we took it as, as we checked it on. So, um, oh, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. That's the that's fun of funny. it. Right. You've got to bring it back. Well, is, that the most, is that the most expensive thing, the most I biggest think so, thing we bought? The most expensive thing I've ever gotten are my hearing aids, which yeah. I'm delighted to okay. tell you. Anybody can get a free hearing test at Costco. You don't have to be a member. You just need to make an appointment. I can now eavesdrop in another state. It's just fantastic. <laughs> and they were $1,500. Well, so you talk about that in the book, the fact that hearing aids yeah. are, you know, by whatever metric they measure, some of the best hearing aids and hearing uh, uh, aid programs are there at Costco. And I'll tell you this last thing, not to make this, you know, not to pile onto the love letter, but just this past week, mm-hmm. I was sitting in a poker game next to this guy and he starts talking to me and he's one of the, he runs the fourth biggest lens maker maker factories in the world there are four of them apparently and he runs the fourth biggest and he's and i said well, what's the best place to get glasses you know just to price it's also crazy with luxotica essentially having a monopoly on the market he said if you really want to know the probably the best place to get uh, eyeglasses i mean good quality work and it's not expensive is costco yep. so there you go uh, there you are you're uh <laughs> yeah your your legend is part of the growing legend of Costco, and you lay it all out in the book, and it's really, it's really fun. There's just a lot of facts and factoids, and the book is the joy of Costco. Uh, it's a great run, a treasure hunt from A to Z, and you do kind of break it out that way. It's uh, it's funny how much, uh, and in our last minute, has really informed our life. I feel like many of us have spent many an hour in Costco. I think all of the television sets in my house come from Costco. And <laughs> they have this vibrant electronics section as well, don't they? Oh, absolutely. It's the first thing you see when you come in. It's, mm-hmm. They call it the major section because it's major appliances and electronics. And it's there, you know, it's there up front because you know, it's just such a dazzling way to enter the store. Everything's in color. It's all flashing. Uh, you know, and, and all the videos are going on. And it's really fun to, to come in that way. Uh, and you, we, we all of our computers come from Costco. We well, we, all of everything except for David came from Costco. But the point is, it's a decent <laughs> company. They do the right thing, and the more we learned about them, the happier we felt. And you know, they they do all this and they make money. They don't make as much as they could. So the hot dog, they could charge more for that than they do. It's yeah, really yeah. it's a great story. It takes some discipline, but to me, it's a feel good story about what you can do as a decent company. 
It is. The Joy of Costco, a treasure hunt from A to Z. David and Susan Schwartz, congratulations. Thanks for being with us. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having us. What a pleasure. Thank you. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Bye-bye. The Mark Thompson Show. I don't know what, Tony, has happened. But it's time to say goodbye, isn't it? Yeah. Last time talking about Costco too much. <laughs> well, it seemed I could have gone the, on and on with that yeah, one. Kim wanted it. The kids yeah. wanted it. I try to give yeah. the kids what they want. Thanks, Tony. You know. uh, tomorrow, John Rothman joins us. We'll get more into politics, perhaps, than we did today. We left a lot on the table, and there's plenty to talk about. So we get to Rothman tomorrow. More on the way that we will celebrate our one-year anniversary. I'll have more details as Albert comes back into the mix uh, tomorrow. So thank you for all your support. Thanks for sharing the show. Kim is next over on the After Party Live station. We'll do it live. I will write it and we'll do it live. Exactly. It's being done live right now. I'm Shadow Stevens for the Mark Johnson Show. Bye-bye. Until tomorrow. Out of time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.